Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. All right, uh, welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Yolitics. Uh, and, and just before we get started, I would like to thank everyone who uh, reached out uh, from last week's episode. Uh, Jason gave me a big hard time about uh, the fact that I still rollerblade. He thinks I'm the only one. Uh, thanks to that uh, podcast, we found out that there are other uh, there are other rollerbladers out there. there. There's one more rollerblader <laughs> out there. there. There's one more that came to your defense. Okay, but double. We have double the rollerbladers that we knew of last week. Uh, we, 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 we we went up a hundred percent on that. I, yeah, the, the whole point was, you know, what are people doing for exercise? If you missed last week's episode, and Jason said he rollerblades, and all of our guests last week, speaking on different topics said they haven't seen anyone rollerblading since, uh, you know, Miami Vice went off the air. Uh, so <laughs> that's not? why Jason cannot find the necessary parts he needs to uh, yes. repair his rollerblades. Well, see, uh, that's why they haven't seen anybody rollerblading is because I didn't have those parts, those axles specifically. But uh, a happy ending, everyone. I know that uh, a lot of people have been waiting on the edge of their seats all week. Uh, I have new axles for my rollerblades. Uh, it's, it's been put out there, and I am geared up and ready to go again. Do you find them at a garage sale or secondhand store? Where, where'd, you, where'd you go? They, don't, they, they surely them. can't still make these things. I fa- yeah, they do. They're, that's why there's, there's a shortage, because they're making so many new rollerblades for so many people who want to get out there on them that they're not making the axles. There's no supply of those anymore. You know, since we did that episode, though, I've heard of all kinds of things that people are like, oh, there's other things that you can't find these days, yeah. including I didn't know jet skis. Yeah, uh, Atari 2600s, too. Uh, Atari 2600s, uh, Edsels. Jeez. You can't find a lot of things these days, and there's a good reason for it. And, and and I thought, jet skis? You can't find jet skis. Boy, you're in a different category than me. I was just looking for rollerblade axles, man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what a weird time it is. And it's not just the things that you can't find during the pandemic. Uh, the conversation has now shifted to what are we going to do about school? Uh, this is something that's being talked about uh, in a lot of uh, school districts and a lot of uh, individual classrooms with d- different teachers as they try to get ready and certainly in a lot of houses households across Texas as parents try to make that decision. Yeah, I'm one of them. I have a uh, I'm seven-year-old going into second grade, and I have a, uh, a preschooler. And, you know, I, everyone's wondering what, what the heck's going on. But teachers and faculty is, is one thing that's kind of left out of the conversation a lot of times in news coverage because everyone's talking about what should parents do? You know, parents need to go back to work. Well, there are a lot of adults there with the kids as well. And I got a text uh, from someone just kind of reminded me of this, and it is from a, it's a screen capture of a tweet from Houston ISD Watch. I don't know Houston ISD Watch, but Houston ISD Watch apparently is some type of a, uh, a watchdog for the uh, Houston Independent School District. And the uh, tweet says, worried about the upcoming school year? The benefits office is here to help you create your will or your trust. And Houston wow. ISD Watch had uh, also retweeted 
HISD benefits, the benefits office at Houston Independent School District. And it said today at noon is the EAP webinar, the Employee Assistance Program webinar on estate planning. Please join us and learn how to create a will, a trust, and much more. I reached out to a friend of mine. He's a teacher. I said, are, are, are teachers really talking about putting their wills together before going back to school this year? If they go back to school this year? He said, yes, Jason. I couldn't believe it. Wow. that you know, And, and that is one of those things. It's, it's indirect, but it just tells you about the seriousness of this, first of all, uh, as teachers get ready to head back to classrooms without a whole lot of guidance and without mandates in some cases as to how this should play out. Uh, And it also just talks about the the fear uh, that's out there. And I mean, when you start, you know, thinking about going and doing something and you decide that you should do a will first, usually you're talking about, you know, you're going to go for your first skydiving uh, jump. You're going to go for uh, a trip all the way around the world. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, risks associated with that. And so you think, well, you know, let me, I'll admit, I do this before I go on like really big vacations. I'll think, oh, I haven't updated the will. Uh, And I'll do that then. But when you're talking about doing that just as a matter of course, so you can just go back to work for another year, that's extraordinary. And go back to work in a classroom. So yeah. I, I, I texted my uh, friend back and said, hey, do you, do you actually know any teachers who uh, are preparing their will? Is this just is this a fluke or is there are there real people out there? And he gave me name after name after name wow. after name, phone numbers, emails, people all over the state, Houston, Austin, uh, Belton, uh, Round Rock, Dallas, everywhere. Del Valley. Del Valley. Del Valley. And Del Valley ISD, just outside of uh, Austin, is where uh, we have Heather Burt on the line with us. Heather is the uh, testing coordinator for middle school students at Del Valley ISD. Heather, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for for signing on with us here. I mean, this is a, I wish we were talking about better circumstances, but (laughs) first question, have you prepared a will this summer? This summer? cleaned it just did it and tell us tell us why it it was you decided to do it after 19 years of teaching Uh, well 18 i'm starting my 19th um uh because yeah you don't know i mean this is a nasty virus and truth be known um i wouldn't want to leave this mess to my mama so you know like i thought it would be smart and to make sure my wishes are known so people can carry them out so I don't leave a mess behind. Mm. You know, it is smart, and and, and that is very thoughtful for your family members, and it's recommended that adults do this sort of thing. But I'm curious just what's going through your head, Heather, as you are, you know, sitting down and putting pen to paper for something this serious and realizing that the reason that you're doing it is because you're about to possibly step into some real unknowns. It's daunting, first and foremost. I mean, it's the whole oh my gosh, there's just all this stuff to do. I mean, you don't like, you know, like it's like it was foreign territory to me to actually think about things. Um, So it was daunting in that respect. But then it's also, you know, the whole mortality thing of like, you know, it creates this fear in you of like, yes, I know I'm going to die, but um, I don't really want it to be this way. Um, Mm -hmm. um, And it's just, it's scary that, um you know, this has become political and that it's all, you know, it's like, it's, I feel like it's like teachers versus, you know, them. And we're 
There's a lot of us going, this isn't safe, this isn't safe. And how do you sleep at night by doing making decisions like this? So I had to prepare and protect my family as best I could. Heather, did, how'd you get this idea? Or how did this whole thing come about? And, and what did you do? Well, um, I mean, I kind of had it in the back of my head for a long time for, you know, past couple of summers, I thought, you know, that should be the responsible thing to do. I need, I need to do a will. Um, but it was only until, you know, this summer that I actually, you know, and all of the stuff a couple of weeks ago. And I thought, you know, I haven't done that. I have not done that. And so I just, I did the, the easy way out. I went online and found a, you know, an e-form kind of thing. And sat down and I talked to my best friends and be like, Hey, um, these are, these are the things I'm thinking about. Let's talk through it. And, um, and did, made it from there. Did they think you were crazy? I mean, we're, we're on a zoom call with you. So you're, you're a young woman. Um, did they think that you were crazy putting your will together? No, I mean, hmm. they, I mean, they, they knew my girlfriends knew my fear. They knew, like, I was like, this just nothing about this sits right. But, um, you know, it, it's, I am a single woman, so it's not like I can, you know, I can have the luxury to quit my job and, you know, have a mortgage payment paid, you know, kind of thing. You know, you know Heather, we have uh, elected leaders and political appointees who are making a lot of decisions. And, you know, obviously they're elected and, and appointed to, you know, represent a lot of people, but that includes you uh, that they're supposed to be representing. And I thought Jason hit on something interesting in the introduction there about a lot of teachers not feeling like their voices are being considered in this whole process. Are you in that camp? Do you feel like uh, you've been muted? Do you feel like nobody's listening to the concerns of the people who are actually going to be on the front lines in those classrooms? Um, I think it's very, it's varied because I'm a part of the, the Facebook group of teachers, you know, with the responsible opening. And there are some districts that are asking, you know, teachers for their input. There are other districts that aren't. You have some superintendents are going, this is what we're going to do. And, but I think the problem stems from such the ambiguity of everything. Um, and you, you expect our leaders to be able, uh, you know, we have been working, I, I mean, every school district I know since, you know, the end of the school year has put contingency plans in place. Like, if it's this, this is what we're going to do. If it's this, this is what we're going to do. But we've had elective leaders go in and be like, nope, this is, you know, you're not going to do that. So now there are districts that are scrambling. They're trying to make the best decisions for their employees, the best decisions for their parents. And, I mean, it's like a rock and hard place for, I mean, everybody involved. Um, so, but these, I think it, I think it stems from the leaders. They should have been, you know, there should have been a contingency plan all along and TEA should have been able to be like, here's plan A, B, C, and D, what's the best right now? And I think they've, I think they've ultimately failed. Hmm. Heather, I'm going to ask the obvious question here. I mean, do you really think that you could get sick and die in class? Yes, absolutely. You know, there are more, I could go to Target and I have a better chance of being safe than I feel like with a, a hmm. bunch of kids in schools. I mean, I mean, we're going to do the best we can and we're going to, I know that my district is making the decisions for safety for everyone involved, but really and truly when you're like, I'm inside in a building with children, with other adults, there's asymptomatic things. Yes, I think I could easily catch this virus and, you know, I would hope that I wouldn't die, but there's a potential.
the state has sort of evolved this plan now to make it where you can stay home uh, or a lot of teachers will be able to stay home for four weeks uh, and do online instruction and then perhaps return after that, maybe get an additional four weeks. Do you think that goes far enough? You know, we haven't done enough to curb the virus. I mean, at the beginning of this, it was like, I felt like everybody was gung-ho, like, yeah, we're going to flatten that curve and we're going to do it. And then I kind of feel like, well, it got old real quick. And parents uh, have the, you know, added challenge of having to homeschool kids. And it's become this, you know, complete burden. But um, it's just, you know, it's just daunting all the way around. I mean... There is no easy answer to it. Who, who do you fault, Heather? Anyone? Um, I fault political leaders by creating, making this a political matter. I don't feel like, you know, it's like, I kind of feel like it's a wear a mask or don't wear a mask, my individual liberties. And I'm like, no, it's compassion. But it's like, um, we have this us versus them mentality in the United States right now. And uh, it comes from the top down. And what? Yeah. I was going to ask, what do you do about something like that? You know, we saw teachers uh, rushing the capitals of, of different states uh, in, in, it seems like forever ago now, but last year asking for raises and, and succeeding when they move as a block like that. Uh, is there a way for teachers to be heard uh, in, in this state uh, when it comes to this process without having to resort to something like that? Well, I, I, you know, it's, it's a difficult it's difficult. I think when you are tying the opening to the the, the common economy to this, I think that becomes the problem. Um, you know, because there isn't a teacher, there's not many teachers out there who don't want, you know, don't want to work. They actually worked harder with the online virtual stuff. Cause I mean, like I said earlier, when we were getting everything set up, teachers literally built airplanes in the air overnight, like, and they did an amazing job, but I think parents don't realize like, that isn't that is an online education that was an emergency education um so things will change things will you know grow um because society as a whole we're not doing our jobs as a society to keep people safe so we can actually safely open schools heather do you know any other teachers who are preparing their wills or doing estate planning um i yeah actually uh, a friend of mine the other day she posted she got that done and and got her uh, medical advance directive done. And I mean, yeah, we're all kind of just. Uh, did, did you ever think you'd be doing this 18 years ago when you stepped out of school and uh, college and wanted to go into a classroom? Um, not not for a virus, no, no. Hmm. I mean, I, our, I think our scenarios is like, you know, we're prepared for active shooter drills, that kind of thing. Like that's, that's what, uh, that's what I kind of in my back of my head have always prepared, but not for not for this nastiness. Well, Heather, before we let you go, I'm curious where you are emotionally. You're happy, sad, mad, angry. Where where are you emotionally? I kind of all of it. You know, like mm-hmm. it's all. Yeah, I want everybody to do their part, but I'm also hopeful because here's what I know: teachers are like the most self-sacrificing group of people there ever existed. I mean. It's not a profession, no, we don't make a boatload of money. We don't, um, but we live for the kids. And so I'm hoping that there's something that we can find something that works where, you know, children are educated and teachers are safe and students are safe and and all the way around. But I'm, I'm hopeful that, 
you know, something, something has to come positive about it. I mean, I just, I have to hope on that. Gosh, Heather, thank you uh, for, for sharing all that with us uh, and for taking the time in what has to have been the least relaxing summer <laughs> vacation of your almost 19 years of teaching. Yeah, now, it's been pretty boring. <laughs> Alliance AFT is a teacher's association, a teacher's union, you know, for short, and it represents uh, thousands of teachers across the state. Uh, Rena Honey is with us. Rena is the president uh, of Alliance AFT in Dallas. Rena, how's it going? Um, it is going as well as can be expected. Mm. A lot of anxiety, a lot of questions, not a lot of answers and a lot of back and forth from those that are making decisions. So it's a wait and see type thing. We've been uh, talking to some teachers, Rena, about some of those decisions that are being made by elected leaders and appointees. And uh, we, we were curious if they feel like their voices are being heard in this process, if they are being fully considered in this process. You sit in a very different chair here. Are they being considered? Are elected leaders considering the viewpoint of teachers and staff who are going to be on the front lines? In my opinion, not as strongly as they should be. If they truly were, in my opinion, many of those educators would be at the table with them while the discussions Hmm. are happening. They wouldn't get it secondhand. They wouldn't get it after the meetings that have already taken place. They would be at the table because they are the ones whose lives are on the line that will be put in those situations. Their plans may look great on paper, but in actuality, the implementation is always the critical piece. Rena, as a parent here, it seems like this whole response is kind of scattered. The TEA says something, my school says something, the governor weighs in. Um, Who do you fault and who are you listening to right now? Well, actually, we have to listen to everyone um, because if they're not all all on the same page, that gives us an indication of who needs to hear from us even more. You know, um, we are the experts in the classroom setting. We're the ones that are there every single day. And I was a classroom teacher for 26 years in Dallas. So it's not like I haven't been there. I have. But we are in conversations with those educators, not only the teachers, but the support staff, the teacher assistants, the custodians, the cafeteria workers, the transportation employees, we haven't heard much about them at all. Yet their lives, they're the very first ones that see the students when they pick them up in the morning. Uh-huh. So there have not been clear guidelines, clear uh, communication on what's expected of them, other than they'll probably have to take temperatures in Dallas if the child has a fever, they call for a white van and they have to wait for somebody to come pick them up. Mm. And yet we're right around the corner from possibly uh, beginning classes. At least that's the plan right now. They're thinking maybe they'll, uh, you know, have this transition period of four weeks followed by maybe four more and then boom, back in the classroom. At least that's the iteration we're looking at right now. Rena, if it really unfolds that way, if we really have teachers who start going back into the classroom four weeks after school starts, what does your crystal ball tell you is going to happen this time? I wish I had that crystal ball that I could really read. But personally, for me and for many that I've talked to 
that's way too soon. We need to see a decline in the confirmed cases of coronavirus, a decline in the hospitalizations, at least for three to four weeks to know that we're in a downward trend. And Dallas is not in that position right now. Our state is not in that position. And for them to say that it is safe, to me that is a political statement for those that are in office. Um, our TEA commissioner is an appointed position, but who he works for, the governor, is definitely an elected position. So unfortunately, the perception is politics is playing with the lives of human pe of, of our children, of our, our employees, and of families and communities. And that is nothing to be politicized nor to be playing with. And, and Rena, these teachers who are preparing their wills right now, are they overreacting at all? In my opinion, no. They have been put in a position to where, number one, they want to be teaching. They want to be in the schools. They want to see their students. But they also have families. They have their own personal lives. So to be prepared for something that they feel like they're having to go back into, I don't think it's overreaching at all. Everyone has to do that at some point. This is pushing people to think about those types of things much earlier than they may have wanted to or that they may have even done. But in my opinion, no, it's not overreaching because we are seeing the consequences of people have, being exposed thinking that they're going to be okay, and that has just not been the case in way too many uh, lives for people. So so what if teachers don't have the attention uh, of elected leaders uh, or of appointees? You know, we, we talked about this earlier. We have seen teachers' movements to extraordinary effect, uh, especially last year in different state capitals, occupying capitals and so forth, uh, to make their positions heard and getting some real change out of that. What are teachers gonna? What are they gonna have to do to to get that seat at the table to make sure that elected leaders are taking them into consideration? Well, I can tell you, we have tried to make it known. Um, in fact, I I had a conversation with the commissioner just last week, and one of the strongest points that we were able to make is that you all are not talking to the ones that need you need to be talking to. They're looking at statistics. They're looking at what they think a lot of people want. Yes, we do need a strong economy, but if you don't have workers to, to work to get that economy, you're gonna be right in the same boat. So we have to put safety first. There are people that need their children to be in school so they can get back to work. We understand that, but we want their children to be safe. We want their children to be able to attend to schools when we can get back in there and not have to go to the hospital to see them or God forbid to attend their funeral. And those are some real questions, the reality that people are living with right now. People that never thought they would be in this situation, they're testing positive and they're getting sick. Rena, you sound frustrated. I'm very, because there are so many different um, different pieces of information coming from so many people. And a lot of these people are decision makers. How can our state and federal government say it is safe for children and employees to walk into a school building and 
they're going to have to have masks. They have to have face shields. They have to have hand sanitizer, gloves where that's uh, appropriate. And it affects what we're seeing most. It affects adults in a, a larger amount than it does children. But let's not forget, children are on the incline of becoming infected with this virus. This is nothing to play about. If numbers are not correct, then those that are reporting need to get the numbers right. But what we're seeing by the numbers of people in the hospitals, on ventilators, that are having to quarantine, those numbers are not going down. And until they do for at least a three to four week pe period, people are going to be skeptical that it truly is safe to go back into our school buildings. Uh, I have to ask you, as we head into a school year here, I mean, we're uh, this is happening. It's coming. It's weeks away from us here. Um, how prepared are schools? I mean, is everything in chaos? You see behind the scenes. You see classrooms. You see, you know, what's going on in administration buildings, et cetera. Uh, is, is it chaos right now behind the scenes? Does anyone know what way forward uh, the way forward looks like right now? I'm not sure anybody really does. They can predict. I know that Dallas ISD has spent a lot of money on the PPE for students and for employees. They've invested a lot of dollars for plexiglass for dividers, but let's not forget children are children. Even in the youngest grades, requiring them to wear those masks, not knowing where they've been on the weekends or in the evenings, is everyone going to be forthcoming with pertinent information? Those are things we just don't know. We have, we have children coming to schools with wrong telephone numbers. Parents can't be um, gotten hold of when they need to. Kids are going to be kids. There is going to be a lot of instructional time lost with just taking care of the safety issues trying to social distance. Many of our classrooms are older and they're not large spaces, but you've got 22, 24 in our middle and high schools, as many as 30 and 35 students in one classroom. Now, if every one of those students came back into the classroom, that is problematic. Many of our classrooms don't have windows. They don't have ventilation that's good. So the things that are medically are being say should are being told should be happening, they're not possible because of the conditions of the buildings or the way they were built. And so there are just a lot of concerns that people have and they cannot be assured or guaranteed of their safety. So let's say that you are governor, Governor Rena Honey. What would you do right now? Quite frankly, at the state that our, uh, at the position that our state is in right now, I would have no in-class meeting at all. Everything would be virtual and online for at least the first semester. Give us time to make sure that we're doing the very best that we can for online because every educator knows online learning is not the answer. It is not as effective as that face-to-face -face online, especially for our special needs students who are way behind anyway. 
and need that. But in my opinion, you cannot have children that have feeding tubes, that have traits for their breathing, that have uh, needs that have to be one-on-one. Those things are way too dangerous to put adults and children in those situations. So we make the best online learning, hone those skills for our educators, do the best training, get those things in place, do them as well as can be done, and medically, hopefully we can see a decline happen. And I personally would not have any qualms about not even entertaining face-to-face school until at least January, and that would be with a good look at what's happening in the medical field. But Governor Honey, uh, you uh, will not be reelected if that happens. What would you say then? I say human life is more important than my position in the political world. Hmm. If only all politicians listened. I think there, <laughs> there, there are some that, that do, uh, and there are some that don't. Well, I I truly believe when politics plays into the educational world, and it has for years, um, our children are the ones that suffer the most. And they are the ones that pay the consequences for these political decisions that are being made because someone wants to elevate their position in the state, in the federal government, in the city, whatever it is. But life is way more precious than that. And for all of these people that are making uh, these decisions, I would expect them to at least go to the hospitals when a student or an employee is sick and having to be hospitalized, sit with those families. And God forbid one of them pass away, they should be at those funerals to see that the decisions they made could have played a part in the outcome of that individual's life. All right, on the line now we have Sarah Wetzel. She's a high school teacher in the Dallas area at Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD. Sarah, how are you? Tell us about this uh, whole idea about preparing your will before you go back to class. We're on a Zoom call with you. We can see you here. You're you're not, uh, you're a younger woman, so why in the world are you doing that? (laughs) Well, thank you for saying I'm a younger woman. I've been been a public school teacher. I'm starting my 28th year um, as as a teacher. Um, Originally received my certification back in 1992, and I haven't been. I spent um, a couple of years um, at home with my children, and um, when they were very, very young. But um, but I have so many teacher friends um, across the state from the years in public education um, who are very concerned because their school districts, even those parents are still being offered the choice of face-to-face versus remote learning. There are many, many school districts um, in our state, and these are close and dear friends of mine who are now going to be in front of students, um, you know, many students potentially every day. And and they're and they're worried and they're concerned. And so I thought, even though I'm gonna be remote learning the first couple of weeks of school, there's going to be a, a, 
a strong possibility that I myself may be in front of students. There's just a lot of uncertainty out there. So I thought, you know what, I think now's the time um, would be the, the right decision to, to make a will, just because our future uh, with public education and how that's going to look um, this, this upcoming semester, especially, yeah. there's just, yeah, it, it, it seemed like the smart thing to do. That's really serious, though, when you get to the point of you know, filling out a will uh, before doing something. It was. It was. And it was surprisingly easy. It was, a, it was scary and sad all at the same time. Mm. Um, and it, it, t- it took me a couple hours to do. And it t- took some phone calls to my parents and to my, t- to my siblings and having to decide who's going to be the executor of my will and what's going to happen to my house and my property and my finances. Mm. Um, and it's just all things that I had never really thought about, you know. Well, congratulations on getting it done. Everyone needs to have it done regardless of what's going on. But Sarah, yeah. you even said you're healthy. I, I, I want to I ask you just the obvious question here. Are, yeah. do you, is there a fear in the back of your mind that you could go to school and get sick and die? Absolutely. I think there are a lot of teachers who have that same fear. Um, and there's already there's already been some reports who like summer camps and um, and with the and with the uh, um, how you know how uh, sports are going to look and how marching bands and football and how that's all going to look because there's a lot of students that's why they come to school is for those um, elective opportunities and um, uh, not only are the teachers going to be I think unnecessarily put at risk, but also, you know, coaches as well. So we've been talking with the head of a a teacher's union here in Texas, and Uh she uh, was telling us how she just doesn't really feel great about the the level of education that is going to be able to happen uh, Uh if you're doing in-person instruction, because you're almost so bogged down in the procedures of being safe that how do you refocus your mind on, oh, what was today's lesson again? Uh, Are there concerns about that for you? I mean, I know that that's a a lesser concern when you're talking about the concern for your health, but is there a concern about the ability to still be effective in a classroom if you were to go back to the classroom? Absolutely. There's definitely that concern um, because when when we do head back to school, you know, whenever that's going to be this upcoming semester um, is there's going to be some pretty strict um, um, procedures that are going to have to be in place for the students having to wear masks in school and, you know, maintaining social distancing. And there are so many questions about that, about, um, you know, making sure that not only high school students, but I'm thinking about elementary school students and these are these are teachers who are going to be put in front of their students and many many of these i know that at the at the elementary school level masks are not required they're encouraged but they're not required and um and you know hallways and passing periods and i'm just i know what passing period looked like (laughs) at my high school uh last year um and the overcrowding in the hallways that i know so many school districts and high schools are, are faced with that as well. And even though there might not be as many kids on campus, because a lot of parents, again, are choosing to, to have their children stay home and do, and do remote learning. And, um, but no, absolutely, the quality of education, it, it's, it's, gonna look, it's gonna look a lot different. Another thing the uh, teachers union mentioned is that teachers should have a, more of a seat at the table in this decision-making. Do you feel like teachers' voices are being heard? We're trying, we are trying. Um, there's a lot of a lot of groups um, through social media 
and there's lots of discussions um, and there's lots of um, like there was a, a recent rally in, in, in Austin um, where they sat on the sat on the front steps. You know, uh, teachers are not expendable and um, our and our health are is, is at risk. And and there's even um, some some recent um, things that I've been seeing on teachers who who have young kids. I'm not one of those because both of my kids are grown. They're both, you know, in or out of college. But um, I have a lot of teacher friends who have very young children. And if they decide that their children need to learn at home, but then this teacher is required to be on campus, um, is this, are their kids going to have to stay at home? How, how does that look? Is the kid going to be able to, can they go to school with the teacher? Um, you know, because that as, as, as a parent, they've made the decision. Um, my, my student, my children are going to be learning from home. Um, is that going to put, uh, it's going to be some interesting decisions that have to be made there um, regarding, you know, what, what learning is going to look like for their own kids if the teacher has to be at school. Yeah. So you all are trying to make your voices heard. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's yeah. just say let's just say that the, the governor or the president or the uh, state education commissioner actually listen to yalitics. It's it's yeah. not far fetched. Uh, yeah. If they do, what would you say to them if you had their ear here for 30 seconds? What would you say? I would say um, that we want, and and we can do this. Uh, it, we when we 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 did it um, last semester, is we were we were able to provide quality instruction virtually, um, as long as you know students are on board, parents are on board, and they have the technology available to them, or you know provided to them if 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 if, if they need to, um, if that needs to happen. But um, I think that teachers. When it comes to what the students need and what the learning will look like um, virtually, to trust us, trust us to make the right choices for our kids. If we are, um, if we are, you know, working 100% virtually. Um, I mean, there's, there are there are adults I know who have their master's degree, who have advanced degrees, and that was all online. I received my my master's from University of North Texas, and. I think I only had to be on out of two years in that program at North Texas. That was back in 2015 um, when I received my master's and it was an online course. It was all done through, it was all done through, through Blackboard. And it's, so it's, it's possible. It's possible. If you trust the educators and, and you as a school district um, uh, provide them with the resources that we need, because that's what happened in the spring. Teachers were like, okay, oh my gosh, we have to finish out the school year, March through May. We have to do all of this online. They shut down school. And we had to turn the tables pretty quickly, practically overnight, within a couple of hours. And we, depending on our specific teaching discipline, whether we either we, either, we were elementary or middle school and high school, um, we did it. We did it. Um, we, we, we banded together and we pulled our resources and we and we were able to teach our kids virtually from March through May, and this fall doesn't have to look any different. In fact, it can even be better because there there's you know there's so many there's so much available uh, so much available to teachers now um, to teach coursework online. Hmm. And, and it might not look any different than the spring uh, semester. Also, is kind of the way it's looking right now with. Mm-hmm virtual classes, at least the first four weeks. Sarah Wetzel is a veteran teacher at Carrollton Farmers Branch uh, right outside of Dallas, uh, inside Dallas County, but right outside of Dallas Independent School District as well. Sarah, thank you so much for the time. You're welcome.
Okay, uh, so there you have it from the leader of a teacher's union here in Texas and two educators as well, uh, giving their thoughts as we head into, you know, what could be just an unprecedented fall semester, Jason. I still can't help but think that I, I just don't believe it. I don't believe that on the in-person classes are going to resume this coming semester. I know that that's the plan right now. I just don't, I don't see it happening. No, I, I don't either. And t- teachers are doing the right thing. It's just, it, it's kind of a sad state that they have to prepare their will to go to school, yeah. to go, to go teach because they're concerned about a virus. You know, a lot of other things can happen in schools too. Everyone should have wills. Uh, yes. If they're an adult, but it's, you know, it, it's just kind of a, sign of the times of where we are before we let you guys go though um i i I do want to uh give a shout out to a couple Mm -hmm. loyal listeners state representative drew springer oh yes uh always listens to yolitics always texts or tweets and has something to say and colorful character too and and drew drew sent me a text about uh uh jason rollerblading and said that jason is not the last rollerblader that there are uh, a few others, which it's good to hear that to it's it's good to hear that have to come out of your mouth too, Jason. And and I think he <laughs> does skate, doesn't he? I, I you know what I need to go back to his his I think he does. And find I out. think he does, and um, wildly successful guy. So that just proves he he is. Here's what he texted me. I had to pull it up over on the thing. Um, he says no. He said. I have rollerblade axles. Okay, see. Because, the, so he did, past tense. No, he says, in the, I have In them. the 90s, when Beverly Hills Cop came out, he was rollerblading, and he now he has axles is what he But you know, it was me. a good movie. I that said, was a good Wheeler, movie, by the way. That was a good film. The first one was. Uh, I said, Wheeler will be glad to hear that. Uh, I'm going to mention that in our, our podcast episode, and this one you're listening to now. I have axles. You know, I have axles now, everybody. And you know what, uh, Jason, if I didn't have axles right now, I've now realized that I've got this whole worldwide group of listeners that I could reach out to. There, There's axles somewhere out there. Did you know that since we launched this podcast, I think it was eight months ago, we are now being listened to on every continent in this world except for antarctica so maybe if we could get them to to pipe us in there at mcmurdo station uh down there at the bottom of the world we could finally say we're worldwide or if we blast it too hard down there maybe the rest of the ice will melt (laughs) a lot of uh, hot air coming out of this podcast sometimes (laughs) there there is uh shout out also to uh to sean barlow and and speaking uh sean sean is a loyal listener too and and he uh tweets every so often and and gives us feedback on our episodes speaking of being on six different continents people at least downloading an episode at some point uh Canada. We have a huge audience in Canada. I had no idea there were that many Texans up there, or at least Canadians interested in Texans. That is interesting. And I wonder why. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to, maybe we should get some Canadians on a podcast coming up and just find out, like, what is it? What, what are you listening to? What, what, what's I, piqued your interest? I have an idea as far as that goes. Thanks for uh, making me remember that. Finland, we've had uh, a lot of listeners. The UK, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Jordan. Tonga. I was Tonga a, out in the middle Tonga. of the, the ocean. Tr- yeah, Trinidad, Tobago. We have uh, South Korea, Japan. Uh, wherever you're listening to us from, we appreciate you listening to, to Yolitics. And remember, a new episode drops every Tuesday, Texas time.